previously on Watch and Talk. Mm. Was that too robotic for you, Elise? No, it just wasn't. Cadence was a little off. Yeah. yeah. We all felt it, right? Yeah. It <laughs> previously on Watch and Talk. Here's the other thing, right? Milk. Like a tall white angel, Jane Lynch appears. Nancy McNally, was she the first person to improperly connect Bin Laden to Iraq? And they can't do the Garkle maneuver? By the way, I don't want to skip over the kiss. Wah, 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 wah. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is season two, episode two of Watch and Talk. This week we're watching an episode called In the Shadow of Two Gunmen, Part Two. Part two. I am Eric. I am Jason. <laughs> I'm Elise. And Brayden. Nailed it. Much better, guys. Much better. I hear we have some follow-up this week. Yeah. So we have some follow-up from last season um, from a listener. And he gave us... um, His name is Pat. And he gave us... Hey, Pat. Hey, Pat. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. We have five really, like, fun trivia facts about last season. Five? Yeah. Five facts. Okay? Here we go. That's, like, a lot. Yeah. So he says that Zoe goes to Georgetown and is a freshman at this point. Um, and the episode was shot at the museum in D.C., but took place in Rosalind, a made-up town in the world of West Wing. I prefer the old museum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that because they didn't want to taint the reputation of a real town? Maybe. Maybe they're just trying not to like be like make a statement about a town. Yeah. Then the second fun fact is the discussion about the carpet in the Oval Office between Fitz and President Bartlett. Cliffhanger. Yeah, is another example of something that only exists in the world of the west wing it's oh. not, it's, it's, there's nothing can you take that back life. can you just not say that one but pat says that he agrees with us that it's a very cool idea and also wishes it was true yeah. I, we like, could start it the whole flag should be modular yeah to reflect the mood of the nation no this is definitely something we should have so we're putting an official recommendation out there to the white house like when you could put a filter on your facebook uh, photo to let everybody know that you like a football team okay so he says the the person in the crowd um to signal it was to signal when like they're supposed to shoot yeah and to, he's supposed to stand near the person who's targeted i guess because he's like a better vantage point so we kind of got that um, and he was very sweet on his comment. He said he didn't want to give it away, like the person they're supposed to shoot because of Brayden. That is I really nice. That. Yeah. Thank you. Um, then they needed to bring up Bartlett's health in order to make the shadow of a gunman part one make sense in the next episode. What do you guys think about that? Um, in which went, when, Wait, what do you mean? I guess it was when they had to like tell them the anesthesiologist the thing. Well, there's no MS stuff in this episode. Yeah. There's no like overtly. It comes up later in the series, I know for sure. I I think maybe he's talking about our what we said about the first episode of the season. What was? Or maybe what we said. I guess what he's what we said about the season finale. Yeah, they did keep hinting at his health. Yeah, so he's saying that they maybe they were just dropping that in there so you'd remember a subtle reminder. Yeah, for the how crucial it was in the first episode of the second season, but. They could have just reminded everyone for like three or four months later with the whole, you know, Miss last Bartlett. time. I on. think it was just a misdirection, honestly. I think I they, think it was too. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and Abby lays it out like explicitly as soon as she comes on screen. Yeah, and then this is my favorite trivia piece that he mentions. So I didn't watch The West Wing when it was actually on television. Did any of you? No. Okay. So the thing that they did with the cliffhanger 
for the entire summer, you could go to 7-Eleven and get Slurpees to get clues on what happened. No. Wait, no, no, no. Yeah. He was talking about The Simpsons. Damn it. Yeah, that's The Simpsons. Oh, my God. I would love a West Wing. That was like shot who, who shot Mr. Burns. <laughs> Maybe they did it for no, this, too. He said other cliff... Oh, he just says other cliffhangers yeah, who shot yeah. Mr. Burns. Oh. I think you had to go to... Um, no, and that, that was like an Apu reference. I get it. I was like, 7-Eleven doesn't seem very West Wing. Yeah, for the West Wing, you would go to Hardee's. And if you ordered oh. the number one... Remember, did you do the smell vision You went to... Yeah, it was... Uh, you went to 7-Eleven. Living Single had it. And and also uh, Married with Children. And you, you, you bought a ticket. Yeah. And then you would sit down and watch the whole no. night's TV. And during... They would tell you when to I scratch it. Nickelodeon has And you would scratch too. it and you would smell it. I think they showed like a Revenge of the Nerds movie like that in no that way. format too. <laughs> Is that a format? Yeah. Okay. Television. Okay. So those are the... Okay. Well, I was really excited about the last one because I did think it was about the well, West Wing. It would Wing. mean that... It would imply that there were West Wing 7-Eleven cups out there somewhere <laughs> that know. you could obtain. I would pay like $500 for one of those on eBay. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Someone's like old Slurpee cup. Um, S- uh, spousal veto. <laughs> so he's just saying, Disagree. here's a fun other So Missed Opportunity yeah. by Aaron Sorkin and company. Yeah. I guess 7-Eleven isn't highbrow enough for West Wing. <laughs> Starbucks. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what the follow-up was from last season. So thanks for writing. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay. So we uh, going into the episode now? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so there's a previously on. It's nothing from the first season, all second season stuff. President's been shot. Josh has been shot. We're halfway through a flashback. Stephanie Abbott's been shot. Don't forget her. Wow. Who? I almost forgot. Was yeah. Stephanie? Yeah, it was. B, B. Yeah, we're in a flashback in the primary season, um, learning how Bartlett got the nomination. And the third skinhead guy, the third shooter guy that we just discussed is on the loose still. On the lamb, as they say. <laughs> yeah. What? They say that. What does that mean? It, it means on the L-A-M, loose. L-A-M, right? But yeah. It usually means I think you broke out of prison. Yeah. You're on the lamb. So you're on the run. You're on the lamb. But lambs are so cute. But it's not that kind of You're lamb. not riding a lamb. But you, <laughs> you well, that, that was a, um, a, a Colbert bit when every time a monkey would escape from a, a zoo, he would have monkey on the <laughs> lamb. And then the intro thing was a monkey riding on the lamb. <laughs> um, oh, I get it now. That's yeah, that's Colbert. Um, so we start... It's 3.28 a.m. outside of the Dixie Pig. Outside the Dixie Pig. <laughs> which is some... Bar-B-Q. Uh, some ominous labeling, I think. A little foreshadow. Oh, yeah. He's a Dixie he Pig. He is a Dixie Pig. He's going to get stuck. Yeah, I'm sorry. Buddy. Is a Dixie Pig a thing? Dixie is like the Confederates. Oh. Yeah. This guy's a, con- a neo-Confederate. Yes. Yes. He okay. is watching the news kind of smugly. He's he's very proud so of himself. Smug. He's happy about the news that he He's he, jazzed. He he, jazzed he, he right. caused all this pandemonium and he's really excited about it. He's so excited, he takes a cigarette out of his mouth and puts it out in the middle of an egg. He ordered a meal, did not touch it, just to put a cigarette out in the center of the egg. We catch his uh what what's that part of your hand? It's like the webbing between your the thumb weenus. and no. That's not right. No. <laughs> no, it's um, not. So between, it's like you're between, his, between his thumb and forefinger. Your thumb neck. Yeah, your thumb. <laughs> he's got a thumb neck tattoo of a swastika. Looks like maybe it's a prison tattoo. He steps outside, lights a cigarette, and gets swarmed by about and 800 police officers. They arrest the fuck out of him. Police! 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 Police!
And yeah. everyone's like, get down, get down, get down, get and down. And he doesn't do it. He takes a really long time. Yeah. And then the smoothest musical transition. In- to the credits <laughs> that to the say, show has ever done. Like the arrest was so like satisfying and like explosive of a scene that I really needed the theme song to calm me down. I want like, a. And it was right there. It was twenty four hour barbecue restaurant in my neck of the woods. What is this like podunk town in Virginia? Have True. a barbecue restaurant open at three thirty a.m. Focusing on the issues at wow. hand. And Eric. he ordered and he ordered egg and potatoes at a barbecue restaurant. That sounds. Like he deserves a to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Put that man in prison. Monster. He's a monster. Yeah, so uh, they, and I don't really understand the, like, sequence of clues that led him to be caught, but good work on the uh, FBI. They took, what, maybe six hours or so to catch him in some random place, so good on them. Uh, They go to the credits, and then after that, it's the CJ press conference. Um, She's taken a victory lap. They caught the guy. I I thought about this uh, last episode, too. They only, it's only been, like, ten hours since they were announcing that they rescued the pilot. Oh, yeah. So they've had a bunch of uh, press conferences in the past day. I imagine everyone, the press corps, the staff, they've all been up mm-hmm. for like, you know, at least 24 hours at this point. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, this I think we're about six or seven hours after the shooting, and that was late at night at a, like 10 or so. Um, yeah, long day. Uh, they cut back to the waiting room at the hospital. Not much happens here. Um, T- Toby and Sam take a call from CJ. And the First Lady and Donna have, like, a nice moment together. Is there anything I'm supposed to be doing right now? No. I mean, anything that Josh's office is supposed to be doing, should, should I be making sure it's farmed out? No, I'm sure it's covered. On that phone call with uh, CJ, Sam, and Toby, she talks about the questions that they're getting. There's the questions about the 25th Amendment letter, which is still uh, Danny's pestering about it, and questions about why the tent wasn't up to cover the president's exit. And Toby says he's going to take care of that. Then we get... So who was in charge? It was Leo, or it was... Um, Well, they get into it later. Toby... I think the president didn't want to do it, and then Toby said, yeah, that makes sense. He wrote a memo, and then the president signed it. So it was kind of like everybody was in agreement. Sam said, like, at the end of the phone call, he was like, Toby, we were in that meeting. Everybody. Yeah. I think they just, like, were like, oh, this is silly. Like, we would prefer to be... The main thing they said was that the president doesn't like being... Feeling like he's, like, going from car to covered thing. I mean, in the three and a half minute or hours or whatever that the... That the president was out. That Dan, the question Danny wants to know. Uh, oh, you mean the Twenty Fifth oh. Amendment question? Yeah. Who who was in charge of the country? It was Leo. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but, that's, but from all vi- we saw, the only thing that we saw that actually happened was the and the consensus of the national security but it was apparatus. Also, but it yeah, was also they the had that meeting in the sit room, and then yeah, the vice president made calls. Yeah. When it came to like, should we do Nancy's invade Iraq plan or not? He made the final decision on that, even though Leo was the one arguing the most for that. And he obviously took his counsel. But the vice president, everybody was looking at the vice president and the vice president said, we're going to wait. And then they waited. So it feels like it was actually his call. But I think they want to imply that it was Leo that was in charge as a point of drama. Yeah. Well, I mean, so... We discussed briefly the 25th Amendment last podcast, and I guess the issue they're getting at without really addressing it directly is until there's some action taken under the 25th Amendment, whether 
the president writes the letter, you know, saying he's in- incapacitated or he's involuntarily removed temporarily by his cabinet, there's kind of a gray area there. Like he is in fact unconscious, but has not exercised the procedures under the 25th Amendment to delegate power to some other person. So even if the vice president makes a decision, it's unclear whether the vice president has the authority to make that decision. So anything he orders national security, uh, the, the military to do, it's unclear whether he was authorized to do that or whether it's essentially a coup d'etat by the vice president. Okay, well, but, but also... It, but just sit and wait is a pretty safe call there then. Right, like if that's an option, you. I think you would either have to wait until the president was conscious again, or and either wrote the letter or didn't, or you'd have to convene the cabinet and exercise the involuntary path under the Twenty Fifth Amendment. But until you did one of those things, the president is still the only person that can make decisions. So I think, like, okay, but Danny's making a big deal of it, and the show is making a big deal of it, as if they've made a huge mistake here by not having a letter drafted up in the case that the president was shot or convening the cabinet to dispossess him of power temporarily but it doesn't matter does it matter okay so does it in any way matter i think it would have mattered had the actions gone differently while they were while he was under like if they, if they more had aggressive or they had started a war and it's like yeah. hey who authorized this sure but danny knows that they haven't right started a war I think and he, he wants to know who was in charge, not who was supposed well, to be Well, I think charge. he wants to write a TikTok story of just yeah. the president was under, here's what here's how the people in the White House responded. Like isn't this interesting? That's right. a great exactly. story. It's, it's like an interesting kind of behind the scenes thing. Right. I don't think he's thinking of it as a constitutional crisis type thing, but it it's but so, it it implies one though, because if you say this person's in charge, then you have to explain why they were allowed to be in charge. And I guess the question that kind of comes up later in Leo's office is, well, what could happen if it's made public that we kind of messed up what we were supposed to do under the Twenty Fifth Amendment? And the answer to that is really, I don't think that any anyone in the pub, in the public could do anything about it, but Congress could essentially vote for articles of impeachment. For either the vice president, under the theory that he overstepped his authority in attempting to make decisions as acting president without the 25th Amendment being triggered, or that the, there was some sort of gross negligence on behalf of the White House for not having something set up so that if this happened, they would know what to do under the 25th Amendment. Right. That's I bet really after this only... episode, all the presidents have a letter ready. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that that actually is <laughs> prepped and ready. Yeah. Yeah, so after that phone call, there's a flashback of Sam in his another office conference. This is the next day um, from last episode in the flashbacks timeline. They're finalizing the oil tanker deal. It happens to be raining outside in the episode, just like it is in real life right now. Um, And it implies it's Sorkin's thing where Sam's really sad. So why don't we just make it rain outside? (laughs) That'll get the point across. Sam is having second thoughts. Also, then Josh gets to be wet. Yeah, that's later. Yeah. I feel like the rain is about like a cleansing experience in this scene. (laughs) Okay, I like that. Yeah. Because it's like it's a new beginning Mm. for both Josh and Sam. Yeah, so Sam's having second thoughts about this oil tanker deal. He's kind of acting like a butt. Instead of buying these ships, don't buy these ships. Buy other ships. Buy better ships. He doesn't want them to buy a substandard thing on the cheap because it might 
crash or and leak oil. He says, spend $11 million on, an, on a better boat. And he learns all about the boats. He does the Sam thing where he finally has all his facts in order so he can uh, indignantly yell at somebody that he likes to do so much. <laughs> the boss takes him outside and gives him a, a talking down. And it seems like he's calmed down. They cut to Josh getting rained on he's trying to uh, get the uh, law firm on the phone and he still can't remember the name here's the thing i can't quite remember the name of the firm but no wait wait wait. listen it's a very famous firm that handles shearson you must know okay it's like they planted that in the last episode just so they could do this part where he can't remember the name right and then he says they did shearson <laughs> or they handled shearson <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Joss is uh, very enamored with this guy he saw in New Hampshire, uh, Jed Bartlett. He They go back to Sam's meeting. Um, he's like half in a daze, like just really spaced out of the meeting. And then Josh comes and bangs on the conference room door, soaked with a big smile on his face. Bad poker face. It's written all over. He uh, He found the real thing. And then Sam's like, hell yeah, and takes off with him. I'm out of here dudes that's what he says <laughs> with your bad boat ideas i i like all the ways that the senior partner in the meeting tries to handle sam where he's just like like sam sam like every time sam says, like, sam. Sam. Mm-hmm. no he goes please be seated sam <laughs> it's such a like dorky authoritative thing to say yeah that's a good scene i like i like josh in that scene he's, pr- he's pretty good so then there's uh sam and cj back in the white house back in the normal timeline she's still wondering who pushed her down and sam's like oh, i don't know who pushed you down that's really all that happens there danny comes up this is where he's still uh bugger like bothering her about the buggering her buggering her he wishes <laughs> that's different wow so, um about the 25th amendment letter um cj doesn't have an answer it's a little complicated. There's something called the National Security Act of 1947. There's the 25th. Nancy McNally, Bill Hutchinson, the White House Counsel, they're all working on it right now. Yeah, but they're going to tell me who is supposed to be in charge. I want to know who is in charge. And we are working on that information. Yeah, she basically repeats herself. She's like, yeah, we have people working on that. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to tell you. Nobody was really in charge is the real answer. <laughs> or it was just chaos. She's still obviously touching her neck she's touching the neck a lot she's really touching the neck and we will get to the necklace i don't know why he had the necklace i don't know why he held on to the necklace i don't know why he she's clearly touching the neck you would give her the necklace if he was watching or 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 sort put it on her desk put it on her desk yes she's looking she's looking for the necklace the necklace isn't really like broke it's like a pearl necklace right which they love on the West Wing. And it's not, like, only the clasp broke, but the pearls didn't, like, totally come apart. You would think that if it was ripped off her neck, it would be, like, totally broken. Those pearls need to be restrung. <laughs> Just very unrealistic, along with the idea of two, CG- two or three CJs that were pushed down. I don't like the storyline. It's right? Because we really know dumb. that... Did, didn't we establish that he did not push them down, her down? They're clearly signaling that he did push her down. Well, no. No, we did. did. We, if you freeze oh. frame, he did push her down. Dude, well, I thought we thought it were two, one of two other there people. Were two, no, it was Sam and twice. a Secret Service agent. Okay. Yeah. We've clearly ended up in the universe where she, it's the right. scene that Sam pushes doubly, her down. Okay. Okay. But the, San, the, the scene where Butterfield or some other person pushes her down, that that is... I, let's call Just, it Universe Delta. Yeah. The, yeah, the continuity... <laughs> person on the show universe butterfield universe butterfield we are not we are no longer in the butterfield universe the butterverse (laughs) the butterverse yes i love the butterverse 
Well, we're not there, so... He's great Damn in this it. episode mm-hmm. later. CJ's in her office after that. She gets a phone call, and then they flash back, and she picks up a phone call, and the flashback... But you nice can tell it's trans- different because her hair's crazy. And she's sleeping in a bed, <laughs> not in her office. Yeah, uh, just some telltale signs that it's a different scene. <laughs> um, she gets called into her job early. She works in L.A. at a PR firm, it seems like. Getting paid quite handsomely. Quite we find handsomely. Out <laughs> wow, wow. Um, a mil. She has to explain to some movie studio owner why... He's not getting as many awards and like magazine write-ups as he thinks he's entitled to. CJ quickly uh, goes off. Your movies were bad, Roger. All of them. Even the little kid was bad. She like berates him about like how bad the movies his shirt are. Is? <laughs> oh yeah, his shirt. Oh my Every- gosh. Oh, everyone's clothes well, the scene are bad. It's neon. Did you notice his accessorizing? No. So in in his front pocket on the shirt, he's kind of wearing like a um, Tommy Bahama ish shirt, like a big. That does lo- not a, describe how terrible. A it big is. loose, uh, but it's really like weird print. And yellow. Yeah. yeah. So the front pocket has like a walkie-talkie in it, and then on his <laughs> wrist, seemingly held on with like bright colored like pipe cleaners, he has a beeper strapped to his wrist. A wrist beeper? What? A wrist That's actually the original Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of what it looks like. It's insane. I can't imagine what you would want that on your <laughs> But he is wearing a beeper on his wrist. Everything is signaling that this guy is terrible. Yeah, um, and CJ lets him know that. He's terrible, and his movies is terrible, and the kid is terrible. But she was set up. She was, you know, she was brought into that office to blow up at him so she could get fired. Right, and then she gets fired by um her her boss, who is the mother on Big Love, yeah. Bill Paxton's mother. And then she has somebody has to call her a cab. Like, do you get cabs on the phone? <laughs> How does that yeah. work? This is pre Uber. Okay, and L A. Um, because yes, she had a little place other than New York, you've always had to call for a cab. Yeah. <laughs> she has a little slapstick moment that's implied where she can't, she doesn't have time to put her contacts in. And then she, on the way out of the car, on the way in, she dropped her glasses, which is just a very like forced CJ slapsticky thing in the pool. Well, that did she have to be next. wet. Like Josh was wet. <laughs> is there are they, why did she well, this well, sort of like well, a that, baptism that, yeah that happens, yeah, that happens oh. next so CJ gets home and then she takes something out of her pocket and hands it to the driver of the cab because she has to interact with the cab driver on the way out also it's not, a foreign concept yeah, yeah not Uber then Toby is in her backyard sitting by the pool kind of kind of being a creep a little just yeah, ma- cool. making himself at home yeah he messed up the patio chair so that she oh, runs yeah. into it and it falls in into the pool Toby yeah what the hell are you? Whoa. CJ, you fell into the pool there. CJ takes a dive. He set her up. I knew it was coming, but I still laughed really hard. By the way, let's <laughs> let's just note for a moment: CJ's house is awesome, amazing. Yeah. She did it, a bad idea when it, she yeah. quit that job. Big it's, mistake. It's got wow. a uh, like little cabana with yeah. towels in it that she gets herself into i like when she's getting out of the pool too i'm climbing out of the pool my clothes will be clingy avert your eyes <laughs> avert your eyes and then they just like fix the camera on her as she's getting out of the pool so yeah. we, we get to see clingy they force clothes. us yeah. to not avert our eyes those clingy try and avert your eyes floor length it's like outfit it's very unprofessional for such a high-paying job i think well no she yeah. said that they woke her up and she like rolled out of her that was like her pajamas okay. yeah but she took 45 minutes to get there yeah. everything's in la is 45 yeah. minutes yeah, traffic. wow toby says 
CJ, uh, come work for Bartlett. Jed Bartlett's very impressed with you. Likes the work you did with that girls group with the stupid name. Bartlett's impressed with me? Very impressed. And one of the big keys to his game plan is bringing you on as press secretary. He's never heard of me, has he? No. Toby. I'm here on instructions from Leo McGarry. McGarry wants me? Yes. But Leo wants her to come. And she's <gasps> Leo? Leo? McGarry wants me? <laughs> she's very excited about that. Um, I think Leo's respected. Wiley respected. I have, Straight I have got mad respect for that shooter. Yeah. Straight shooter, not the other guy. Wiley respected <laughs> on both sides. Sorry. So what was her I was actually looking slogan? up the um the history about of yeast. the it was terrible. Oh yeah, she worked for Emily's list and What was it? Uh, the right moment she, of yeast? No, no, <laughs> she said uh, early money is like yeast. It helps to raise the dough. I just oh. think yeast like money. and women yeah, is a it's bad a little, combo. It's a, it's the wrong yes. uh, Keep connection. The yeast now. out of the women associated yeah. with infection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, you know, yeah. When you suffer, we suffer too, ladies. But that's not what it's about. It's just a bad combo. That's all. It makes me think of like dark money. Yeah. What? When did we stop calling money dough? Like I never stopped. Dough. We still do it in you the say, in the headline biz. You do? Yeah. When it's a pro pro. Like when it works. Yeah. When it's a joke. Like, do you say give me two doughs? No, we don't say that. <laughs> but like, if a banker robbed a bank. A baker, one... not a banker. Oh yeah, a baker uh, robbed a bank. You yeah. probably use a yeah. dough headline. Definitely, definitely, dough. absolutely. Or when, so, when someone's like an anonymous donor, you call them like a John Doe. That's but D O U G H. Pretty good. Oh, I get it. CJ wants to come work for the campaign, and she's like, "How much does it pay? I make half a million dollars a year." And Toby's like, "If it pays six hundred dollars a week, at all." Yeah, that's the end of that. So now I think our whole um, our whole gang is assembled now. We got Toby, not yet, not yet. CJ, Josh, we and don't Sam. have Donna yet. We don't have Donna. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then they go back to the hospital. The president's getting debriefed by Ron and the families there. They point out that the guns that those guys were using were really bad for that situation. Like we picked up on before. They're using pistols at rifle range. I guess they listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good, good point. You're welcome. They bring in Charlie, uh, and they say that they caught the guy. His name was Carl Leroy, which is a really good old boy name, <laughs> of the West Virginia White Pride group. And they say that he reported that the target of the shooting was not the president. It was actually Charlie. And Charlie's like, okay, I I'm going to like get out of here. They didn't need to tell him this. I don't know. I don't why know. They I did feel that. like Charlie likes to know that stuff. Yeah. He takes it well. They're like, Charlie, can you come in here into the hospital room? This was your fault. No. Leave now. <laughs> why do they need to tell him? Why does but, he need to I know? I mean, they told him about the letters before, right? After Remember when they couldn't go to the club? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I think they, they probably discussed it, but Charlie seemed to take that stuff in stride before and you probably want to know also he doesn't have secret service when he's not with the president so maybe just be more careful yeah it's like protect yourself because like people want to kill you so charlie should get a gun oh my gosh well i think after this he gets protection he should get protection he gets an agent yeah he gets a name that makes sense they gave (laughs) like other people age they give other people agents yeah he should get a name to go with book bag probably has a name thermos Thermos. I don't know why, because it could go in the book bag. Yeah. Can he be lunchbox? No, thermos. Okay. 
the next scene is Margaret and Leo. Leo is kind of recapping the problem with the letter to Margaret, just like kind of explaining it, I think, mostly for the audience. Margaret says, can, can I just say something, you know, for the future? Yeah. I can sign the president's name. I have a signature down pretty good. <laughs> I love her. See, this seems like a really good idea to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the- Leo, Leo baits her hard with his expression. It's a quick cut, but you can see from the wide shot that he's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> and like gives her this really big encouraging smile. <laughs> you can sign the president's name? Yeah. On a document removing him from power and handing it to someone else? Yeah. And what are you doing practicing the the president's signature? CJ comes in. There was a thing earlier with Carol where she was trying to book her on some morning shows for interviews. And CJ quickly shot that down. And then she was... Not without our necklace. She was... Yeah. (laughs) That gives me my powers. (laughs) Um, CJ has explained to Leo that she doesn't want to go on these shows. She doesn't really explain why. She's just pretty forceful. And I think Leo picks up that she's just shaken about it. And they say that Sam will go do him instead. Sam seems like he'd be good on TV. He's so perky and attractive. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, CJ's like too sassy for morning TV. She would get in trouble a lot, I think. Especially without her necklace. And then um, Toby comes in and explains to Leo that he feels bad about the canopy thing because it was his idea originally, or at least he signed the original memo. And he's going to go try to talk to the Secret Service and get them to put the blame on him so that people don't think that the Secret Service fucked up or anything then there's another flashback it's the new hampshire primary office we are finding out the results of the iowa primary or iowa caucus bartlett is finishing in third place behind hoynes who won it pretty decisively and this guy william wiley who we've never heard of before but he barely beat uh, bartlett for second he seems like the uh, progressive candidate i looked up some information about him he's from washington state which would probably produce a pretty lefty kind of guy I love that there's information on him. He's not real. So we talked about this, um, I think it was last episode where they show Josh working for Hoynes. But, you know, given that we do know that Hoynes was the only primary candidate who took a principled position against ethanol subsidies, how did he win Iowa? Big, too. That's crazy. That just does not make sense. Yeah, that's a uh, definite plot screw up because... The whole thing of he's like you got killed in the yeah you, you got, got killed hit, for that you got hit in the primaries it. for it. yeah but he actually won the Iowa primary yeah yeah how about that for and a fun after fact. that it's kind of irrelevant <laughs> yeah so the staff is uh, strategizing uh, the next steps of the primary. Coins will be in a fight with Wiley for a strong second place finish in New Hampshire. Meantime, we're going to be in South Carolina and we're going to be the only ones there. We're not going to beat Hoynes in South Carolina. We don't have to beat Hoynes in South Carolina. We just have to beat Wiley. We finish second in South Carolina. We pick up some steam, some endorsements, mostly some money going into South Dakota, Vermont, Maine. Well, we come away with a split, maybe better. And now the prohibitive nominee for the Democratic nomination has lost three of the first seven half contests. the actual primaries. Leading into Super Tuesday. Hoynes will win the South. We'll take the North and the Pacific Northwest. This race will be decided a week later in Illinois. Illinois is going to be high noon. Sam, if we win in Illinois, do we have a shot at California and New York? If we win in Illinois, we're going to run the table. Seems like a pretty solid strategy. It's the oh, class- but yeah, President Hemorrhoids don't like it. It's the classic uh, three, one, two, one, two, two, one, one, two, one strategy. <laughs> <laughs> classic game theory. Um, yeah, Bartlett blows up uh, at everybody about... I think he just wants to be in New Hampshire more. He just seems like he's comfortable there. It's his home state. It's a nice state. 
he yeah he doesn't really explain himself well while he's why he's so mad at everybody and he says what's next right and he, he does it a couple times yeah and he scene. explains he's like this is what i say when i'm done talking about this thing and i thought that was so like the or, it's like the origin story sort of of what's next which mm-hmm. is something everyone always thinks about when they think about this show and it's usually you think about it as like the inspirational thing like what's next we're gonna do great things but it's actually like the president is impatient and frustrated he's told we don't have the governor at this moment so while we try okay who can tell me what we did wrong there i blew it what's next we didn't have a candidate that's right anybody who answered we didn't have the what's candidate next he was doing that last episode too remember yeah. well, the, the staff true meeting. origin of it though was if you want to look at like the positive spin is when bartlett leaves and then leo is like okay for real though what's next yeah that was last episode though but this is like the origin is when the pres he explains himself when i ask what's next it means i'm ready to move on to other things so what's next we're done fantastic well i feel bathed in the warm embrace of the candidate leo he says you'll get to know him uh just give him a little while and we'll we'll work that out over the next uh 20 minutes of screen time or so leo says it works out then Josh goes back to his office. Donna is in there just answering his phone calls. And we're like, oh, Donna's working for him already. That's cool. And we quickly find out that she's just like wedding crashing. She's some kind of there. scammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hey. Who are you? I'm Donna Moss. Who are you? I'm Josh Lana. Ah. Yes. I'm your new assistant. Did I have an old assistant? Maybe not. Who are you? I'm Donna Moss. I came in to volunteer, and the woman assigned me to you. Which woman? Betsy. You mean Margaret? Yes. Who are you? I'm Donna Moss. I'll be working as your assistant. She says, I'm Donna Moss, like 20,000 times. Yeah, I'm your new assistant. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally misread this scene, and I thought that this was just like a like like circular time, and that like she's that we're like looping back around to like the moment where they briefly forget that they've always been in that relationship together. <laughs> so this is... Like the sci-fi version of the West Wing. Donna the, exists in yeah. all times. Yeah. <laughs> the, haven't we been providing like a sci-fi analysis of this show this whole time? <laughs> We're not in the in the butterverse, <laughs> where all sci-fi has been eschewed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as they're arguing over whether Donna, Guys, let's actually- go to the butterverse though. Yeah, <laughs> we really lost. Do you that. think Donna exists in the butterverse? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wisconsin. as donna's trying to talk her way into this gig they go on their first and i think chronologically maybe the first walk and talk of the entire show because we haven't seen any other ones in the flashbacks that's true wait no there was the president and leo outside there was and that wasn't really josh and sam outside on the sidewalk yeah but they're standing they weren't yeah, going like through and all like, these were like mosey and i think talks. you need to do a corner or something okay yeah, yeah you have to walk to be, like, this was like a legit they were they were walking like in a circle around an office and like dropping things off and mail bins and stuff walk and talk yeah. that we know and love okay so i think this might be the first one josh takes about three sentences to break down the normal employer-employee social boundaries. When did your boyfriend break up with you? What makes you think my boyfriend broke up with me? Well, you're too old for your parents to have kicked you out of that. But he's kind of the woman whisperer. He nails it, doesn't he? He's he right, yeah. I think that's kind of a, um overplayed trope in things, though, where it's like, let me guess. You want to do this <laughs> and this and this, and this is what happened to you, and you always thought you could do this. Am I right? And they're like, no. 
Like every every movie does that. Like I wish Donna had done that to him. Like let me guess, you were the campaign manager for like a you know a douchey centrist like you know. <laughs> then you stood out establishment the rain, candidate, and your buddy was trying to sell the boats wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you got caught in the rain, and then, like gave an inspirational bang on his uh, glass conference room window, right? <laughs> <laughs> Such an old story. <laughs> Seen it a thousand times. The scene ends with uh, him hiring her by allowing her to. They walk in a big circle back to the office, and the phone rings, and she, he says, "Go ahead and answer it." So now, now our our whole gang is complete, right? Well, I guess we don't have Ginger, we don't have Bonnie, we don't have Carol. Oh, but, but we know mention... the assistant core isn't there. Yeah, Margaret. Margaret, like yeah. Margaret is there, even yeah. though we haven't seen her there. Yeah, I think Margaret's been working for Leo for a long time. Yeah. They have a very quick flash forward back to Josh, and he's in surgery, and Donna is watching over him. And then they go to the White House the next morning. It's CJ and Sam. Uh, this is where we get resolution on the great necklace caper that we've all been so <laughs> entranced in. Oh, my God. Thank uh, God. Finally. Sam pushed her down and stole her necklace in the process. So how does she figure it out? And he would have gotten away she with it, too. She asked other people, like a bunch of people, their stories and then put it all together. Sam no. went on Sam went on the morning shows and, and he that. told a story. I He must have said, you know, I, I heard the shots and I pushed somebody down or oh, okay. something like that. But and they don't actually show you that. No. no, no, they don't show her like piecing together. She has no, like but a I think they don't show Sam saying anything. She just says no, no, Eureka. No. no, CJ has like an evidence board. Yeah, <laughs> like she those, probably does a crazy wall with like li- red lines between uh-huh. photos, and she just keeps <laughs> like scratching her neck. Photos of her neck. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sam's like, "I didn't want you to feel in debt to me," and she's like, "I don't feel in debt to you. I just want my necklace back, bitch." And he's like, "But you should feel." In debt to me. Right. You should be rubbing me down with coconut oil. There are two parts of this episode that reminded me forcefully that the senior staff in this show are much older than us. And this was one of them where he makes the reference to, is it I Dream of Genie? Yeah. I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, he's, he's, this was a television show featuring the, a genie I think that's where the, the lady, she lived in a lamp and, 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 and right. she lived with a, a sergeant. No, I've, I've I think, been told I think she that. was in debt oh. to him because the he guy in the, the show lamp. saved the genie somehow. Oh, is yeah. that what the premise is? I, I, I only like picked that up because of this, but I think that's what it was. Because oh, she had her life saved by him? I don't know if she... How I do you save a genie's life? She was in debt, but she was like his genie. Like Colonel he, oh, Higgins, I think his name was. He found her. Colonel C- Corporal. Oh, maybe he Haggerty. like unleashed her from the uh, eternal silence of being in the lamp. Okay, yeah, I he think gave that, her freedom. I think that is what happened. Like he found her and he rubbed the lamp, and then it's. Remember so the song? Is... It's like do 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 do. I do know that song. Yeah, yeah. but I never saw the show. That was it. But, but this is a perfect example for th- those burgeoning writers out there. Don't put. You popular should make, culture references it would and be things clever you're trying to make timeless. If you could make a reference to something that hasn't come Wait, out how yet. how can you say that, though? Because then it will age is, really well. The show is just like about if you could project, the time. No, if you could be the like, show has, I mean, if you could be like, oh, that was like the oh, time like, the, the last like in, Star Wars film came out, episode nine. It's like in Two Broke Girls. Yeah. What? That show is <laughs> unwatchable. <laughs> oh my god, that, that show Wait, is so 2011. Do you want to hear? Um, but if he would have said it in 2000, remember it when they would say 2000 looking. and late? 
no. Is the, <laughs> Who said that? Can I read you the premise of I Dream of Genie? Because it's kind of ridiculous. Please. Rescued from a bottle and a desert island by a U.S. astronaut. What's a, his name? I forget what his name was. You're on the internet. Was it Darren? Is Darren? No, that was Bewitched. Bewitched. Damn it. I don't remember. So I'm told. Hold on. I'll find out in a second. But it says, a scantily clad genie named Genie becomes his <laughs> slave Convenient. and eventually falls in love with him. But unlike most genie stories, there are no three wishes rules. So Genie uses her magic all the time, often without taking or talking to her rescuer about it first. So I guess he saves her. And she's indebted it. Oh, Roger Healy. That's the guy. The astronaut. That's spelled genie like the name. Yeah, J-E-A-N-N-I. Her parents were a little bit on the nose with that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah, well, her mom's... No, that's Bewitched. Wow. No. Agnes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then they replaced the guy halfway through the show? Darren. Oh, that's Bewitched, too. <laughs> that is Bewitched. This is like naming your child human. Human. Do people do that? I've never met a human named human. (laughs) Have you? No. Audience, let us know. Uh (laughs) Oh, there's that one character in Fallout 4. Oh. That's very unrelatable. Dog meat? Maybe it's another game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's a book I read. Never mind. Wow. Wow. Oh, Ender's uh, book too. But it's a little like pig thing. He's not actually a human. He has human like oh, qualities. That was so a, you know what? That was a great book. Yeah. I liked good Speaker stuff. of the Dead more than the first Enders game. Yeah, those are those are pretty good. Are we cutting this? Yeah, it's all, all okay. Speaker for the Dead? Was that for, it? for the Dead? For yeah. the Dead, yeah. It ends up with uh, Sam and CJ having a nice little moment together. But that plot line was dumb and CJ overacted mm-hmm. it and it took too long. It was real boring. Yeah. No. So they cut after that outside the hospital. There's still like a a big crowd there. Uh, Ron is like directing cops to push him back a little bit. Ron still is wearing his makeshift bandage. It seems like he has like a perfectly bullet shaped blood stain mm-hmm. on his bandage. I don't think he's gotten it like insp- like sewed up or anything like that. So. Get that checked out, Ron. I don't think he's even told anybody because later CJ is like, oh, these are the people that have gotten shot today. And <laughs> she doesn't even mention Ron. Ron got That's shot. That's true. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, Toby comes up and says he feels bad about the canopy thing. Ron says, don't worry about it. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. Ron, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't Gina's fault. It wasn't Charlie's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault, Toby. It was an act of madman. And then he keeps screaming, it's not your fault, at him. And he... Until they start hugging and crying, like in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> um, but, I wrote Ron the Man exclamation point. Yeah, he's uh, he's very uh, pro about it. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He, I like his uh, double negative. I would never let you not let me protect the president. He basically just tells them like, we will make sure that the president is safe, and if there's like things we have to work around, we will work around them. And if we can't, we'll tell you. But you didn't cause this. This was the work of madmen. He says. I really wish that Ron Butterfield had his own spinoff show. It would be a good show. That guy's awesome. Does Ron uh, have a daughter? I don't know, but that we would learn that in the spinoff. Why do you be, want to? Like, I'd love to meet her. Meet his Isn't daughter? he being like? Because he's a cool guy. Butterfield and daughter, like, P.I. You want to date Ron Butterfield's daughter? Just saying. <laughs> if she looked good. Yeah. What if she looked like Ron Butterfield but with long hair? No. What if she had a butter face? No. Okay, but what if she... What if she... But if, what if she was in the Butterverse? 
What if she's in the Butterverse? But what if she... Do I get a, a passport? A visa? What if she looked like Ron Butterfield, but had the that, personality would she have that of Ron stick Butterfield? Of butter oh. Yeah. Without, without the mustache. I mean, unless she was like into You literally... I mean, can you imagine Ron Butterfield without the mustache? No, I think it would just be like um, an ill-defined face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Facial hair for men is just like contouring. It gives your face beautiful shape that it doesn't really have. Yeah. What about for women? Facial hair? Yeah. No, that's what contouring is, like oh, with makeup. Oh, I, I didn't know that that was a makeup thing. That's like you shave your face. I thought that was face. a kind of like a geometrical It's like It's term. like that the shiny legs thing that's going around the internet. Oh, oh my God, God. I didn't see it. I didn't see the I didn't see the paint. I didn't see it. I know, and then I, I showed it to my shiny. roommate, and he saw the paint right away. Yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? The, the shiny, shiny legs. Shiny legs, It's like man. the dress. Look up. What's that? No. It's like the dress. No, it's not. No, this is just this an optical illusion. Wait, the dress is an optical illusion. You know what, though? Like, if I were teaching like a 3d modeling no, class i would definitely show these legs the dress no the legs okay don't ruin it for eric until he sees it the dress it's nothing like the dress it's a new dress um i'm looking at it what am i supposed to be seeing i see some it? shiny legs. they're, they're so shiny, shiny right? aren't they okay, they look the they thing. look really oily they're and glossy not, right they're not shiny it's they're just not white shiny paint. you're dumb oh i see it you're an idiot they're not shiny at all <laughs> and once you see the paint you can't see the shiny no more. <laughs> good good trick. Yeah. But anyway, why are we talking about this? Ron, Ron Butterfield's daughter. The is she shiny is, legs? His entire career. What if, okay, what if she had really shiny legs, but the face of Ron Butterfield? The next is a CJ press conference. I don't know. This is kind of a useless press conference. It's mostly about like the Secret Service's like gun arsenal. Well, no, this is where she gives the incredibly relevant amazing uh gun anti-gun uh speech right so they pulled danny aside and he I, goes wh- and talks why do they pull danny leo. aside you think that leo's gonna like tell him that they don't know about the minutes well no because she Le- well that's what yeah. he's gonna do but he's gonna like butter him up first and like give him some access but first he's gonna be like hey cj's good huh yeah, he yeah he, he calls. He doesn't it, get around to doing the thing that you think he's gonna do. Well, no, well they, no, no. he Does like he? stages it, and he has Mar- he has Margaret like tap him on the shoulder and bring him back, and then Danny's like, Margaret wanted you to, or Margaret said you wanted to see me, and then he like holds a finger. He's up like, and shush. Listen to CJ. Um, I think that was for dramatic effect in some way, but then he says, "Ride with me to the hospital," and I feel like he's gonna uh, give him the, the like in the ride along. Listen, you know, this was a difficult situation. We did everything by the book, and you know, don't, don't embarrass us. Don't about say this. shit. Yeah, if you don't start no shit, there won't be no shit. Right. <laughs> it's is CJ's um little speech like uh playing politics with the tragedy? Because remember when like Josh said like, "Oh, we're gonna get a big boost if we like do good on this." returning this pilot thing. I would say that that I, they don't really they don't make the motivation seem to be political. I think it's just that when people are victims of gun violence they're like gosh, I wish there were less guns. Yeah. And then and then in, you know she makes a good argument where it's like I guess she didn't explicitly tie it to like and that's why our gun reform agenda needs to go through. Yeah, she's just so like much. look, like we wish people didn't get hurt from guns. We don't really believe a solution is to arm the good guys since that didn't work here. Mm-hmm. So really the only option is to have less guns. It seemed like she was like winning over the press in the moment too. She won me over. <laughs> biased. Biased press. The next scene is a flashback. It's the night of the Illinois primary. So this is like 
what two or three weeks forward from the the last time we saw the gang this next scene is like my favorite yeah it's great sam comes in tells leo that the undecideds are breaking towards bartlett on the exit polls he says the 72 hour undecideds right i didn't know that there was like a diff that they analyzed undecided so fine grain yeah that they would be like oh there's a special group of so they're so undecided that even three days out <laughs> the there, super they still undecided. Well, that's probably people that didn't get picked up in the last round of polling, right? But I, well, sure, that like so it's just a weird are, way of referring that's, to them. That's the margin, yeah. But it's it's just like oh, you know who who shows up and they're like, geez, Ken Bone, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, but he's like a he's like a seventy two day undecided, yeah. He's a professionally undecided person. Yeah. Now he has to wear there that sweater he's every about, day. He <laughs> has to wear that sweater forever. That's his sweater forever now. Is he still in the yeah. news? Guys, I'm talking. Because if you didn't, <laughs> if you saw a guy and he wasn't wearing that sweater, you'd be like, who was that? Some idiot? And it would be. So Josh gets off the phone. He can't get through to his dad. I wonder why. He's dead spoilers <laughs> sorry um bartlett comes in he's really he's fuming basically about the prepared remarks what the hell is this that's sam's draft of your victory remark. i congratulate my opponent on a well-fought campaign in illinois you don't want to congratulate yes him? i want to congratulate him but i'd like to call him by his name are we back to this crap again Governor, leo i want to go over this whole thing with you it's the exact same crap all over again it's amateur and then miss bartlett and josh have a little moment together you can say it you know it's not like i haven't heard it before your husband's a real son of a bitch mrs bartlett and she says he will be he's not ready yet he's still like kind of afraid but he will be ready and then on that note they get the final call that they won hugs for everybody toby gets caught mid sandwich bite and has to give everybody hugs with Uh, a sandwich hanging out of his mouth when that happens (laughs) but he doesn't seem too upset about it it's, it's the good news he's got a, a victory in the illinois primary and a sandwich in his mouth yeah uh, i guess it's pretty good they start playing the song um celebrate that celebrate yeah. that song thank you this is the best line in the whole episode <laughs> we gotta replace this music we gotta replace it with some doobie brothers Josh. doobie brothers <laughs> yep naturally the better option is doobie brothers <laughs> and then as he's uh, celebrating, this is the Donna- second reference, by the way, where I'm just like, no. <laughs> Donna comes in and says, "Josh, your your dad died, and his uh, his whole night's ruined." Yeah. They do a nice transition here um, to show Josh at the airport. They like show a TV screen and then switch to a different TV screen and like pan down, and Josh is at the airport. So a fun production fact about this: when my father watched The West Wing for the first time, this isn't going to be fun, is it? No. It's fun. He's a frequent flyer, and he was like, that's not the airport they're saying it is. That's, that's not Chicago LAX. O'Hare? No, it's LAX. Because they say over the air. They say, Chicago O'Hare. 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 No, it's no. not, though. It's, um, it's actually LAX. That makes sense. Yeah. For a production standpoint. Yep. As Josh is sitting there, he's just kind of like lost in his thoughts. Um, some Secret Service agents start posting up a perimeter around him. And he notices, and then from off screen, uh, Bartlett comes in and comes to like kind of console him and give him an attaboy for the primary process. Kind and of apologize for being President Hemroid. 
Yep. Now he's president good guy. Yep. And I think, yeah, this is like kind of the moment where he becomes president good guy. Yeah. I think it's president dad. President mm. they're pretty they're pretty heavy handedly oh, saying like it's new when, dad it's when yeah, you, lo- you lost a father but a dad, maybe you gained dad. one but he, it's when he realizes that what people need from him is that father figure inspirational kind of always positive reassuring vibe and up to that point he hadn't been doing that he'd been like it's all about me i'm the victim he he hadn't been giving he'd been taking yeah another production note is that they cut um, a line from the scene where Josh turns around to the president and goes, Papa? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they should have cut it. No. Yeah. <laughs> that is very powerful. Papa? Yeah, oh. there's, a, there's a couple things in this conversation that are pretty entertaining. I like uh, when the president's like, I can get a ticket and go with you. And he starts like patting for his wallet. <laughs> I wonder if he's at the point where he doesn't carry a wallet yet. No. Yeah, that, that was a great, yeah, like that harkens back to that. Totally. Yeah. I totally thought about that as soon as I saw it. Josh flies off. The president turns to Leo and says, I'm ready. And that, that sentence has, has two meanings. I'm ready to leave and I'm ready to be the president now, like my wife was saying earlier. That was a quick turnaround for him. Yeah. He Once being... his staffer's dad died, he knew he needed to be America's dad. Well, it's kind of, I mean, when one dad dies, like all the other dads in the world get like a little bit of their knowledge and power. Yeah. <laughs> And he was right on the edge. It's like there can be only number one, number one dad, one number, number one, one dad. dad. Yeah. <laughs> Is the president always the number one, number one dad? Yeah. Not come January. Yeah, number one mom. <laughs> Hillary's pretty, pretty, pretty daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think you know what that means. <laughs> I totally do. <laughs> um, and as he's walking out of the airport, all these people like come up to him and start shaking his hand. Like he's like become famous in the meantime, um, which I, I like that as a just a way to convey that like his life has changed now. Like he can't be anywhere without being that guy anymore. And then there's a quick flash forward. It's the last scene to the hospital. It's like Josh on the bed coming, like waking up from surgery Leo, the president, and some doctors are there. Uh, Josh whispers, and the president leans over. And Josh had said, "What's next?" He's quoting quoting his new dad. Um, I don't. That's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never got that. Like Josh, that that phrase had that much significance to Josh before. But maybe well, we learned it in this episode. He's been living that memory in surgery. Well, it, yeah, it kind of absolves Leo and. Uh, Bartlett of the guilt they express at the end of the first episode, which is like, look what we got these kids into. Look what we've done. Look what we've done. And it's like, well, no, like you inspired them so much that like the first thing this guy on death's door, he can't even talk loud. Is he got to say real, let's accomplish the next goal for the people. Yeah. Donna kind of had that reaction too with the first lady earlier. That was her thing where she's like is there anything josh needs to be doing like what's she's in, in like what's next mindset yeah even as josh is in surgery like you you Donna. saved all these people from their incredibly high-paying lucrative jobs <laughs> oh yeah i wanted to mention now the, what speaking now of Donna, what do we fucking do there was a moment in the donna scene earlier josh has that line this is a campaign for the presidency and there's nothing I take more seriously than that. This can't be a place for people to come to find their confidence and start over. Why not? It's like a thesis statement for like the whole setup of the show, in a way. Because it is the um, place. Yeah, so that, and that's the episode. So, headlines? 
I got this is a hard one to do I headlines have, from for some reason. I have two um, airport themed headlines. All right. So the first one is Lax on LAX location. <laughs> that is very meta. Thank <laughs> you. And then my other one good. would be like for the Josh Lyman fan club newsletter. Mm-hmm. Josh Lyman spotted at airport with the best O'Hare. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> wow. I it's I don't want to follow those. Do you want to go? Sure. Um, I had one about the canopy thing. Open air or oh, uh, <laughs> canopy snafu leads to shooting or something like that. I don't know. No canopy canopy joke. Nope. <laughs> Didn't fit. Missed opportunity. Yeah. No, Jason. No. Um, and no. The, the other one I had was about Sam leaving his law firm and it's shipping out. Oh my god! Uh... I had that too, but I gave it. I called it Seaborn Sales. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, then I, well. and then I said, ships out after sale meltdown. Nice. <laughs> and I had another name one. I just called it, it's quite simple, Josh Alive Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of one. Oh, do you have any more? Nope, that's it. <laughs> I was trying to think of one with like, like pitch a tent. Like, for like an tent. erection? Yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't oh. come up with anything. Oh, I came up with another one. What? Dixie Pig caught at the Dixie Pig. Oh, nice. <laughs> I just really like saying Dixie Pig. It's That's fun. a fun word. It's yeah. good to say. Okay, so short on headlines this week. But final thoughts, though? You guys, you guys got them? I will say, this uh, this fixed the problem of the last episode. Where what I was, was the problem like, of the last episode? Where I was feeling like, uh, I waited for so long, and the cliffhangers, and it's still, you know, I, I couldn't render my judgment yet, because it wasn't over. Right. And now it all comes together. We put the gang back together. We got Donna being crazy. It's great. It really should have just been one long episode. Instead I think of they a- might have aired it that way. Yeah. Well, but it says part one and two, even on, like, everywhere it oh, says I that. don't know. I well, feel like probably they... was two when they aired it, like, one. Maybe. I don't know. Let's look at the air date. Yeah, at... they both aired together. They aired on October 4th, 2000. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we should have done it as Almost one episode. Almost 16 years ago. That would have been a day. long episode. Whoa. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's where we would have lost all my That's listeners spooky. from having a two-hour-long episode. You know, I'm going to give this one two grades. Okay. The flashback gets a best wing, Ooh. and then the real-time stuff gets a met wing. Ooh. Because no, I think all the plots that they resolve great. are super dumb. Mm-hmm. It's who wrote a memo about a canopy three years ago. Who stole who gives a Siege's shit? Nexless? Who gives a shit? Exactly. All the What's things that Nexless? they said, All the things that... <laughs> that's a good headline <laughs> but like all the stuff that they resolve in like the current day one Ooh, sam is... sticks her neck his neck Nextless. out for cj <laughs> all the stuff that they resolve in like the current day stuff is like kind of silly and like doesn't actually like mean much and they don't really get much resolution on the 25th amendment thing like if they would have shown that scene of danny and leo of him trying to like sweet talk danny into like writing a softer story on them that would have been a good scene i feel like they have to come back to that they they played it up so big league (laughs) (laughs) it is definitely bigly it is 100% Big League. It's it is, L-Y. No, it's not. It is two words, Big League. No. no it's Big he, League. He has used it in, pr- 
no. Braden's promotional. Right. Yeah, Braden's yes, right. yes. The linguists this past week to, for the New York Times no. and New York Magazine. I, I was listening to him talk in the debate. Professional linguists. They hear that second Wait, can we just G. Say, like he, he's bigly is not a word. It right? is a word. It is, but it, it is technically a word. What in what way? In that it's a word. In what the is dictionary. It? Is it like the adverb for big? Yes. No. No. It is. No. What, what else would you say? Like big like? Bigish. Bigess. Why? But what? what? Give, use it in a sentence. Why would you use that I'm going to cut taxes bigly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A lot. <laughs> There's so many other words you could say. Anyways, than... your point, Brandon? Sorry. Yeah. My point is that Donald Trump... No, no, uh, before. The man-child that might become our next president says big league because he's mm. weird. <laughs> I was doing another point. I don't remember. The <laughs> <laughs> G-sound is disputed. <laughs> <laughs> Can we rewind? I forget. Play hey, it. Eric, what was he talking about? You, I, I, I said something about the episode. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to jump on here and okay. say that I... <laughs> I agree with Eric. I think that that's a great way to classify it. Best wing for the flashbacks, but meh for the rest. Except for the very beginning before the credits where the Dixie Pig gets caught. That, yeah, that's that a good scene. was a very good scene. But the flashbacks really win me over. They're like very good. And the one between Josh and the president in Indiana, right? Is like Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, it really Chicago. sets you up for the it's rest great. Of the season. Yeah. You're but, set up. You're ready to go. And that's the best part about these past two episodes is the, all the origin stories of everybody. Yeah, this is almost like a second pilot in a way. Yeah. But a pilot that they couldn't have earned because you didn't know the characters yet. Yeah, and yeah. you didn't know about their chemistry. And it's it was actually it's nice to see all of the characters who have such amazing chemistry in this show have, like clashing with each other and not having good chemistry so in the, like to a beginning. certain extent like th- almost every good episode of the west wing plays with the timeline and the structure of their narrative mm-hmm. in a lot of really interesting ways to kind of make something kind of linear be more interesting and this is such a great example of how they couldn't have gotten nearly as much emotional value out of doing an origin story in the beginning like even just the Donna scene where you're like, wait, where are we? Donna is, has exactly the same relationship to Josh, except it's completely a fraud. It's just it pays off so much better after right. a full season of seeing their relationship. Yeah, that was great. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's the best thing. One of the best things about the West Wing is how creative they are with that. But there's one thing that I, watching this for maybe like, I don't know, the sixth or seventh time. But I, it's something I always think about around this part of, of the show. I want to just drop a marker for let Bartlett be Bartlett, right? Because that was kind of the ambitious perspective that the show took on at the end of the first season before this particular three-part episode where they were like, okay, we're not, we're not going to play the center anymore. We're not going to play for re-election. We're just going to do what we believe in and see what happens. And they sort of do these FEC nominations and I just want to drop that in there as a reminder as we proceed with the second season. I think we should look for that bigly. Yes. <laughs> in the coming episodes. Yeah. Um, thank you for using the correct form. Are you 
using that correctly? We'll we'll look we'll look that up. 